0: Anyone for a toasted marshmallow? Oh, hello, Patience. You're probably wondering why I'm sounding so jovial and not, you know, like a bloody pancake underneath the tower rubble. Well, it's quite the story. So buckle up, because with the remaining power I have left in my mobile broadcast system, I shall tell you how Harry, the unknown patient, and I were rescued from the... What? Oh, I see. Yes. Um, Patience, with apologies. My story will have to wait a moment. There are campfire rules, apparently. Every week, the locals gather round to tell their stories. And to make matters fair, you have to put them into a hat. Then they're drawn out randomly and shared. It's to stop anyone from rambling on for too long, and was developed after Elmo the Ancient once spoke for two solid weeks without pause, causing a fruit harvest to be neglected, leading to a fly problem. But here I go on a tangent now. I rather see their point. As a newcomer, and one with a mellifluous voice at that, They've asked me to read tonight's tales, so patience, I hope you won't have to wait too long for me to draw our story out. But gather round the campfire with us, as we start with The Telltale Fart. True, I have been nervous, but why would any of you say that I am mad? I have acuteness of the senses is all, particularly the nose. I used to be a sommelier before I sought refuge here, you know. Let me tell you about that night. The old man had pink eye again. I couldn't bear to look at him, gazing at me in all its pinkness, just waiting for me to ask if everything was all right. Did he want me to get an eye wash next time I was at Boots? He liked the one from Fractal Pharmaceuticals that was supposed to be for children and came with a pirate toy, ay, I, I, Cap'n. But as I was saying... He was always getting pink eye, and I told him, wash your hands, stop scratching your bum, then touching your face. He'd just say I should bear his bum no mind. Choice words. After one particularly aggressive exchange of words in which I threatened to gouge his eye out, he held me down and farted on my face. So I did it. At night, I opened the door just a sliver, clutching an ice-cream scoop and not really knowing how far I would go when a thin shaft of light from the landing shone directly onto his open, sore, mocking pink eye. He saw me and yelled, What was I doing? Why did I have an ice-cream scoop? could he have a flake in his? But there would be no flake, only red sauce. After I was done scooping him, I needed to hide the body, just for a while, until Amazon could deliver the plastic barrel in quicklime. I had prime, but it still said two days because it was nearly Christmas. I'd recently torn up the carpets to expose the floorboard, inspired by an old episode of Changing Rooms I watched on YouTube, the one just after Linda Barker smashed all those teapots. I'd noticed the floorboards were loose, and thought it an original hiding place for the body. I wrapped him in aluminium foil first, for freshness, then slipped him between the bedroom and the kitchen below. Just as I'd completed my task, the doorbell rang. How lucky I am, I thought, to have timed that perfectly. It was the police. They'd heard complaints of screaming in the night. I supposed it was Barbara next door. She'd complained about my noise several times before. Usually karaoke night, but it's always a Friday and we're done by ten, so... Barbara is just an asshole, really. I brought them through for tea in the kitchen to discuss the matter and see if we couldn't turn the tables back on Barbara somehow. And then it happened. A chasmous, wailing fart coming from the ceiling. I coughed loudly to cover the sound as anyone would. But it appeared as though I was avoiding the policewoman's questions. Sorry, what was that? I asked. They continued asking if they could have a look around. Of course, I said. Then another rippling bottom burp penetrated the walls. I swear my teacup even shook. I set it down and splashed some water on my face. I could smell them now seeping into my sensitive nostrils, rancid, windy paps wantonly licking my face. The police noticed my discomfort. Are you all right? they asked. I wanted to reply, but another bellowing bum trumpet threatened to deafen me. I'm fine! I yelled. I just need to put the rubbish out. Something smells in here. I left out the back door carrying a rubbish bag, then hopped the fence and never looked back. When I close my eyes, I can still hear farts rustling through the trees like colonic canopies. Well, Patience, what a story that was! It reminds me of the time that Lunch Lady... oh yes, the system. Igor, would you select the next tale from the hat? That's Igor Igorson, Patience, the Icelandic kitchen elf who helped Mrs. Dr. Franks in the tower before... No, yes, (laughs) of course, I'm getting on with the next story. Uh, Thank you, Igor, for that. And the daring rescue, obviously. Yes, I'm moving on. Here's our second story. It's called The Pigeon. hesitating then no longer sir said i or madam truly your forgiveness i implore but the fact is i was napping and so gently you came rapping and so faintly you came tapping tapping at my chamber door that i was scarce was sure i heard you here i opened wide the door darkness there and nothing more back into the chamber turning all my soul within me burning soon again i heard a tapping somewhat louder than before surely said i surely that is something at my window lattice let me see then what thereat is and this mystery explore let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore it is the wind and nothing more Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a dirty pigeon of the type I do abhor. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace, just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this mangy bird, beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be worn a smidgen, thou, I said, must know religion, ghastly grim and ancient pigeon, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore, quoth the pigeon. Get up on the dance floor, bump, 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 bump. Much I marvelled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such song as Get Up on the Dance Floor. But the pigeon, sitting lonely on the placid bust, sang only that one phrase, as if his soul in that one song he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird sang, Get up on the dance floor! Startled at the stillness, broken by reply, so aptly spoken. Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store. Caught from some unhappy relay, when unmerciful a DJ. Followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore. Till the dirges of his hope, that melancholy burden bore. Of bump, 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 get up on the dance floor. But the pigeon, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled the cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, with this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt and ominous bird of yore, meant in croaking get up on the dance floor. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no bird shit as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness and broken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out of my heart, and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the pigeon. Get up on the dance floor, bump. Bon- Bump, bump, And the pigeon, never flitting, Still is sitting, still is shitting, On the pallid bust of Pallas Just above my chamber door, And his eyes have all the seeming Of a demon's that is dreaming, And a lamplight, o'er oh, him streaming, Throws his shadow on the floor, And my soul from out the shadow, That shall groove until I'm sore, Shall be up and ever getting on the dance floor. Well, Patience, what a story that was. Uh, The campfire is getting low and the forest shadows are in retreat. Did I mention we were in the nearby London forest? After clambering from the rubble, Igor helped the three of us to... What? Oh yes, the bloody hat. Fine, what's the next story? We're losing the firelight. The Pit and the Pendulous My story is set in 1986. I was a young woman at a Catholic school in Kent, and I'd just been caught making out with Susan Birtwistle behind the bike shed. Sister Yosemite was not at all happy and dragged me by my pigtails to Mother Superior's office. It was far too grand a room in my opinion. There was a desk right on one edge and then a large round carpet in the middle with a single stool placed on it. She used it for interrogation and intimidation. We used to call it the Ovum office. So there I was, sat on the hard stool blocking out whatever admonishments Mother Superior was aiming at me by recounting every song from Labyrinth, which I'd seen the previous weekend, and wondering whether as a new lesbian I was still allowed to bang the Goblin King, when I was snapped from my reverie. You haven't been listening to a thing I've said, have you, sinful girl? I wondered whether to be honest or not when she slammed her gnarled fist onto the table and hit a red button. I hadn't time to wonder what effect it would have when the ground gave way beneath me. I was falling, just like Sarah in the oubliette, but they weren't sass-talking hands lining the walls, but wangs, pendulous wangs, swinging and hitting me in the face as I plummeted. I called out to the Wangs, stop slapping me, I don't like it. But they didn't listen, because they were just Wangs. I lay at the bottom of a deep pit or dry well. I circled the walls trying to find a door or helpful troll person, but there was only Wang. I looked up to the ring of sunlight. Mother Superior glared down at me. You stay there until you learn to like it she said. For the first few hours I distracted myself by counting the wangs, but lost track somewhere in the 600s and didn't feel like starting again. I sang Dance Magic Dance six or seven times until I was interrupted once again by Mother Superior. Not working, huh? Perhaps you need a little more encouragement. There was a grinding of gears, and the walls started to close on me. Wangs flapped erratically but not at all erotically. I pressed my arms close to my chest and kept my lips shut tight in the centre of the pit hoping they would cease their helicoptering. As I began to fear that I would end my young days crushed to death by Wang the flailing stopped. I heard a plonk 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 sound and mother superior's severed head rolled off the walls to the ground at my feet. A rope was lowered and I climbed up, using some of the wangs for footholds. At the top was Martina Navratilova, holding a bloodied and sharpened tennis racket. ''Come on,'' she said, ''I know a place you can be safe.'' And she dropped me off here in the London forest on her way to Wimbledon. Patience, I'm not too sure about the authenticity of any of these stories. I get the impression they have to uh, make their own entertainment out here in the forest. But it does seem like three is the magic number here and everyone is off to their hammocks. I think I've got just enough battery left to tell you all about how we were rescued from the rubble by Igor and sought refuge in the London forest. I don't know when I'll be able to access a power source again. It, It could be months, maybe six so here it is. It all began after the tower collapsed and